What's up, everyone? We're here on the weekend. Uh, that's because the Bucks are back, and they are back on the winners list. Get ready for the parade. I think the Bucks are on their way to a summer league championship. Uh, we did have the debut of Marjon Bochamp. Uh, Mamu Kalashvili was back out in the floor doing some stuff. Lindell Wigginton had such a good first half that he earned himself a contract. Uh, so there's plenty to discuss during this podcast. So let's get started. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Monday to Friday, occasionally on weekends on big events like the Las Vegas Summer League. Uh, and also find my work over at ESPN alongside me is the founder of brewhoop.com, long-time voice of the podcast and a very committed man to put his hand up to do this late on a Friday night. Uh, but, but this is what we come to expect from Frank over the last six years or however long it's been that this podcast has been going. We thank you for making this it is, the first this watch is, or listen, is- by the way. This is what you've come to expect of my social life is really what what the the subtext of that is. But you know, for forty one year old dad, right? Friday night, what what do I have got going on? You know, summer league. I went out. We got some fajitas. My family had. I just put my daughter down for the night. Yeah, talk some basketball. What the hell? What the hell's my excuse then? I'm a thirty one year old man. It's two p.m. on a Saturday afternoon. It's think- daytime. It's daytime for you in Australia. That's a good excuse. It's not Saturday night for you. You know, like I'm sure you were just getting up to all sorts of no good last night, Friday night for you. But, uh, you know, it's okay. I'm I'm at a different stage of my life, King. Uh, As soon as we're done here, you're right. I'm going to go have a shower, put on a shirt, and go straight to the club and be there for 10 hours straight, which is what everyone would expect from me. The Bucks win this game 94 to 90. And by the way, a little bit hairy in the last minute there. I'd already declared the boat championship uh, in the bag. And then next thing I thought they were going to lose in one of the biggest jinxes of all times. But let's start right there. We'll go through some of these players. I don't know how deep you want to get into this. But Marzon Bochamp was the the main event, I think, for Bucks fans. They were excited to see him play. And I thought he had some pretty pretty nice moments, really. He had 16 points in the end. Uh, hit a few threes, which... I don't know. I'm just not used to the Bucks even making shots in summer league, let alone... Uh, someone that the rookie that comes in with a questionable shot. But what do you think of Marjan? I thought overall, um, yeah, we saw some nice things. Yes, slow start, very slow start for the Bucks. Yeah, slow start for for Marjan as well. But um, you know, I think after the game in the post game interview, um, you know, I think he alluded to maybe having a little bit of nerves. Mm-hmm. You know, first sort of NBA game. Um, obviously, the fact that he played um, in the G League last year, you know, probably helped. Um, probably helped his his uh, learning curve a little bit, right? Because it's not like he's um, only played college or something like that. But uh, yeah, I mean, I thought he settled into the game well. Uh, and you know, when when I watch for summer, like I, like every year, I have to kind of re ask myself, like, okay, what what are, what are we looking for really, right? What what are we what are we doing with this this environment and, and this competition? Like, how how much can we really take from it? And I usually think of it in terms of, you know, when I think about prospects, I'm usually trying to think about, okay, what is the, 
what is the baseline of of skills this this player has right that you expect will translate to some degree in the nba and you know what does that mean for their you know their their maybe not their floor of their of their nba potential but you know where you kind of expect them to be how good they can really be right is this a guy that especially for a team like the bucks like is this a guy that could close a playoff game at, at some point is this a guy that you know can be a good regular season player but maybe becomes you know in some series just like oh that guy's unplayable right i mean we've obviously seen that um a number of times with different players but i think with him you know the the baseline for me is kind of the defensive versatility athleticism playmaking um which we saw a little bit of that tonight you know i think we saw some good moments chase uh cam thomas from the nets second year guy still a young guy but you know a guy that likes to take shots fill it up um he ended up having 31 points tonight, but, you know, a couple possessions where Marjon got him and, uh, you know, used his length and, and size. He's a bigger guy than, than Cam Thomas to, you know, kind of stimmy, stimmy some drives. And, um, you know, I think just he had a big kind of help block at one point, um, got in a pass lane for a steal. Certainly his G League uh, tape last year suggests that, you know, he can be, and at times, um, disruptive defender, and obviously that would be an awesome skill set to bring to the wing mm-hmm. uh, in the NBA for the Bucks uh, to be that kind of guy. Um, so I think we saw again, you know, he looked like that type of guy at times defensively. Um, he also, and maybe this is because Vegas lineups are not usually like quite NBA sized lineups. Um, you know, they're not a lot of, you know, Brooke Lopez, Giannis, uh, starting, starting twosomes in the front court, uh, in Vegas. So maybe it was just the the fact there wasn't quite as much size on the floor, but he looks pretty big. Um, you know, he's not like a physically like large guy in terms of NBA wings go at this point. I think he's listed at six, six, and I think he measured at six, six and a half. So call it six, seven. Uh, right around 200 pounds, but you know he's put on 25 pounds in the last couple of years since high school, and he he he's not a small guy, you know. Like I, it'll be interesting to see. I I don't think he's going to be a guy that, you know, small forwards and and kind of true wings are going to be overpowering, you know. And again, uh, you know, is can Kawhi Leonard push him around, you know, as a rookie? Yeah, yeah, Kawhi can probably can probably push him around a little bit. Some of these power wing types. But I don't know that that's gonna. I I think that he I think he will get to the point where he's gonna be strong enough to really use his his frame and defend power wings. And I think one of the interesting questions, which of course we're not, we, you know, we we can't get that answered in a summer league game. But one of the interesting questions I have is, you know, over the next couple of years, we've been searching for the PJ Tucker replacement, obviously, and a lot of that really gets to defensively Giannis at the five. What are you know? Do you have another guy you can put at the four who physically can hold up defensively, switching potentially onto bigger guys, um, be switchable and and rebound and do kind of those little things that you need to to be able to play with those smaller lineups. And so again, don't know if that's going to happen with him, but I think I could definitely see his frame filling out a bit more. And if he gets to you know two fifteen, two twenty over the next couple of years then I think his physical tool set becomes even more interesting. And obviously that was one of the the strengths that he had. Um, and I think offensively, the, the thing he already showed is, you know, he's, I think he really took to the idea of in the G league saying, you know what, I'm on a team with a bunch of other guys that were star high school players who want to get shots up. 
uh, I'm going to be a garbage man. I'm going to run the floor. Um, I'm going to cut. I'm going to crash the offensive glass. We saw him in the fourth quarter get an offensive rebound. Uh, I think he generally just has very good instincts around the basket. His finishing last year in the G League around the basket was terrific. Uh, and we saw a couple of examples of that tonight where he got to the rim and was able to, to finish. Um, so, you know, I think offensively, it's kind of just being a complimentary guy. We saw him tonight standing on the on the weak side a lot, kind of just waiting waiting for the ball. And I'm sure a lot of Bucks fans are probably thinking, "Hey, can we get our our first round pick the ball a little bit more?" But you know, that's going to be that's going he's going to be doing a lot when he's playing real NBA basketball on this team. Is having to be on the weak side, being ready to cut, being ready to spot up, um, being ready to crash the boards waiting for a chance to, to get the ball, you know, if, if kind of something else on the other side, you know, the, the, the primary action breaks down. Um, and so, you know, again, I think we'd like to see him of course featured a little bit, but, mm-hmm. um, but I think he's used to playing as sort of one of those complimentary guys. He's not a foul drawer, right. Last year in the G league did not get to the foul line much at all, just through the one foul tonight. Uh, but again, you know, the trade-off is he's a good finisher. And of course the swing skill is the three point shooting, right? I mean, I think that's, the obvious thing you'd look at and say, well, if he if he can shoot threes at you know 35 to 37 percent, this dude's gonna play a lot probably. This guy's gonna probably make a lot of money in the NBA. And tonight hits three triples, um, including a, a pretty big one late there that helped seal it. And uh, you know the first one he took off of uh, I think it was a dribble handoff or a pick and roll, and the guy went under the screen. And he just pulled up and buried one straight away. I mean, he shoots a decent looking ball, right? It's not like he's got a, an awkward motion or something like that. They can probably work out maybe some of the dip in his shot, but, um, but you know, overall 16 points, 50% shooting from the field, um, pretty good defense, some hustle plays on both ends. You know, I'd say again, not, not like we're look at this and say like, Oh, he's you know destined to be a star, but kind of did the things that we probably expect him to do. And he even did a couple things that, that maybe, are not so expected in terms of three-point shooting, which if he gets to the point of doing it consistently at the NBA level, will bode very well for his future. Yeah, just on the shot, it's interesting because one of the benefits uh, that he would have had playing in the G League, there's probably a number of benefits, but what they do do in the G League, they use NBA ball, they use NBA three-point line, um, which sometimes, you know, you sometimes see guys and it's like, it looks like, oh my God, this is a this three-point line is so far away, but he's he's been playing uh, at that uh, on that uh, court dimensions for for a season now, and yeah, it was it was kind of nice to see him, you know, confidently shooting those balls. It's not like sometimes you see the guys that are questionable shooters and they don't want to let it fly. I agree. At times, I thought, yeah, he could probably do a little bit more in this offense. We don't we don't need to. But uh, having said that, that's going to be his role uh, with the team. So also wasn't a bad thing. The other thing that stood out to me is on a couple of rebounding attempts that even ones that he didn't actually get to. He is he is very athletic. So one of the, I think it might have even been a foul against him, or the ball just went out of bounds. But uh, his head was was at the rim, so he's super athletic. Was that was that in the fourth quarter? I'm like I think a Mamu missed a shot. Mamu missed a shot, and he like went up and kind of yeah. got way up and tipped it out of bounds or something. But it was just like, oh okay, yeah, yeah it was that one. It was bodies flying everywhere. Mamu hit the deck hard, and he looked I don't know he was <laughs> he looked like he was in trouble. Maybe we can talk about a few of the other guys now. After I mentioned True Bill. Uh, I've mentioned True Bill before. They've been with us for a while. And it's a new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions you don't need, want, or simply forgot about. Uh, one of those subscriptions for me would not be NBA League Pass. I was very thankful that uh, I still had 
uh, my League Pass subscription to watch this summer league game. But on average, people save up to 720 bucks per year with True Bill because companies make it uh, hard to cancel. They're not trying to tell you to cancel. They want that automatic payment to go through. So True Bill makes it incredibly simple. Just link your accounts and they will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in one tap. And True Bill Concierge is there when you need them to cancel unwanted subscriptions so you don't have to. There's over 2 million users uh, that have saved uh, over 100 million bucks. Uh, that's uh, almost a Lou Dort five-year deal of savings. <laughs> uh, don't fall for subscription scams. Start cancelling today at truebill.com slash NBA. Go right now, truebill.com slash NBA. It could save you thousands a year. So if Sam Presti got Truebill, would it just be like, dude, just don't sign Lou Dort? Well, that's after that, one year, he might say, I'm not sure about this. We, can we, I actually, we I'm, I like Lou Dort. I like Lou Dort. That number seemed kind of cro- kind of crooked. I'm not going to lie. Like, you know, he was he was going to be, they they let him go to free agency uh, as a restricted free agent, I, be- I believe. Um, so he was, you know, again, restricted. Um, so it was kind of like, hmm, okay. I mean, I guess the Thunder don't really have anybody aside from Shea that they're currently spending money on. But yeah, it was a, a little bit interesting. Yeah, I had a friend who's a the Thunder fan who just texted me and said, "Did that man really just get a pay rise from 1.5 million to 87 million dollars?" He's like, "Was anyone else like offering anything in the middle there, or like what happened?" Yeah, I don't know. Dort, yeah, they got some they got some cash to spend. Uh, so the Bucks. That's, that's what that's what Luca Vildoza is going to get, right? They I they waived so. Luca Vildoza, and then now they're going to give him uh, 85. No, I don't. I don't think they can because they don't. They waived him, so they don't have any. They can't pay him 85 million otherwise. Surely Luca Voldoza would get get that money. We'll we'll talk about him in a minute. Yeah, well, we we can talk about the point guards. So, well, let's talk about Mami first. Actually, he had 17 points in this game. Uh, he is a guy that you know, we're expecting uh, is going to uh, take one of those two way spots. They seem to be somewhat invested in Mamu. The announcers had absolutely no chance of saying his name properly for the entire game, which was a little bit rough stuff. But he finishes 17 points, five rebounds, two assists, a steal, a block, and again. Yeah, I remember watching him last year, and I think it was game three where he finally hit a three, and we were like, okay, yes, he's finally hit a three-point shot. Well, he was four for five tonight. And when you talk about sometimes these weird summer league lineups, yeah, Mamu's a, a five in the in summer league, or he can play that spot pretty comfortably. Uh, we know he's got a good nose for the ball. We saw him. He had some decent games uh, last year when he played in the G League, so it wasn't a huge surprise. He did look... Probably a little more comfortable from the outset than some of these other guys did, but I just thought the Bucks. They remember they got out to an eighteen to five uh, deficit, and it just looked absolutely awful. And the game actually <laughs> changed when they put in a few shooters, and and so Mamu was fired up a couple of quick threes, and it's like, okay, I'm not sure if that's the offense Vin Baker was uh, drawing up for this team. Uh, but all the guys started to get involved a little bit when they put some more shooting on the floor. Lindell Wingington, I thought, was pretty good as well. But what do you think of Mamu? Yeah, Mamu's really interesting. I mean, I mean, speaking of the term swing skill, right? I think Eric Name and I we talked about it a year ago that the swing skill for for him, it's you know coming out coming into the league felt like okay, it you know he wasn't a, a high percentage three point shooter in college. He was much more of like a you know honestly like a offensive focal point creator um, at Seton Hall, and so it was like well you're not going to be able to do that that in the NBA. So kind of what do you do? And offensively, it felt like, well, if he can 
become a solid three point shooter, man, that's a huge, huge thing for him. And I mean, give him credit. He shot again, only 52 attempts last year. Um, cause he obviously didn't play a ton of minutes, but 40 over 42% from three, uh, on almost five, three pointers per 36 minutes. So it's not like he, you know, took one once every 10 games or something like that. Um, he, he wasn't afraid to put up threes, 42% on threes shot 56% on twos. Um, you know, per 36, seven rebounds, three offensive, you know, I thought he was really active crashing the glass, almost a steal and a block, um, per 36 as well. 82% from the foul line doesn't get to the line much. Um, but you kind of look at even just some of the advanced numbers. I mean, 62% true shooting His box plus minus negative 0.3, which for a rookie is, is really good. Um, you know, like you look at it, we're like, man, for the 54th overall pick, like he had a really solid rookie season again, only 400 minutes. Um, but he kind of made the most of it, but I think that, you know, the reason why none of us are like talk about him as a like exciting young guy or like, Oh, what's, you know, what are you going to get out of, out of him is just, you know, I think so much of it was like early in the season, a lot of those minutes were coming, having to play center and, you know, like you look at his, his numbers on court last year, the bucks were outscored by 18 points per 100 when he was on the floor, the on off. So that they were 24 points per 100 worse with him on the floor. So, I mean, you know, when we talk about the bucks missing Brooke Lopez, a decent chunk of those minutes were because we had to see Mamu thrown out there having to play center and, you know, just not being big enough, strong enough, athletic enough, to do that. And so, um, ironic, you know, of course in Vegas that just by kind of default, he ends up once again, playing, you know, a fair bit of center just because of the lack of size out there. But, you know, um, he, he knows how to play offensively and honestly, like even defensively, I mean, I think he played, he, he's a pretty smart defender. Like, I don't think he, you know, he's not a guy that just makes like terrible decisions or he has no instincts or something like that. I think the problem is he's just physically and he's not like super unathletic or, or super slow, but he's just he's not just not big and strong enough to play center in the NBA. And, you know, I was looking at his positional splits on cleaning the glass and they totally make sense. At the four position, he played a third of his minutes at the power forward spot based on cleaning the glasses sort of lineup numbers and the bucks scored 107.1 points per 100 which is bad um but they only gave up 108.1 points per 100 which is actually very good so with him at the floor they actually were pretty damn good um defensively and they were basically minus one you know minus one points per 100 you know not bad right for for a guy a second round pick thrown out there especially given how many of his minutes came when they were kind of dinged up anyway but then you look at the center minutes, Kane. <laughs> two-thirds of his minutes. And again, it's only 400 minutes. Two-thirds of his minutes. Offensively, 99.8 points per 100. Third, third percentile. Tough. That being bad. Defense, 131 points per 100 allowed. Tough. Zero, zeroth percentile. Oh. And overall, minus 31.4 on-off differential at center. So... They just got completely obliterated when he was playing center. And, you know, I said it a year ago that he's a, you know, like 
we can hope that given that he on paper has center like size that, that maybe he can steal some minutes there, maybe some small ball configurations. I think he only played about 75 minutes with Giannis and they actually were like terrible <laughs> together. So it's not like the numbers I'm saying, it's not like the power forward numbers I just gave you are masked by just Giannis being out there and, and, you know, putting lipstick on the pig or something. Um, you know, he just really does not have the, I think, the physical tool set to play center. I mean, offensively, it should be fine, right? Because he's can shoot threes and is skilled, right? There's no reason you can't play him offensively at center. I think the numbers there are a little bit weird. But defensively, the numbers are terrible with him at center. <laughs> and I, I think it's interesting. You know, I mean, I, I, honestly, I mean, we were talking about with Eric. Like, we weren't sure if he was, like, is he was he still on a two-way? Was he a free agent? Like, what were they doing? And, I mean, it seems like... All of our understanding is that yes, he is still on the two-way contract with the Bucks for a second year, um, and I think he certainly showed enough as a rookie to deserve a second year at least as a two-way. And again, there'll be some limitations. You can only play, I think, 50 games. You're not playoff eligible. You know, at this point, I'd say that probably doesn't seem like something that will be an issue for the Bucks. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think again, what we saw from him today, um, you know, surprisingly comfortable taking kind of difficult turnaround, awkward <laughs> post-up shots, which goes back to being a focal point at Seton Hall. Again, is he going to do that in NBA action? I don't think those are shots you want to I saw someone tweet. Yet. I saw a tweet getting shared around saying that Mamu came back uh, looking like Dirk, which I thought <laughs> maybe, maybe going well, a little hey, too hard. 40, 42% from three last year. So he, he already was Dirk, I think is the, the answer. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think what he does have, right good handle for his size, good passing instincts, you know, no reason he can't be like a good dribble handoff type of guy. And his physical, his energy levels, his activities on, on the glass, I think is generally good. And I think that does, you know, make up some way. I mean, he's not just like, again, it's not like he's just like a bad athlete. Like you can't, I don't think it's fair to pigeon him all that way. Cause he moves well. I mean, for a six ten, what is he officially like? Is he officially, I seem different things when he's six, nine or even six eleven. He's a big guy, right? I mean, in the grand scheme of the universe, he's a he's a tall guy, um, and he moves very well, and he's coordinated. And I think you know you just have to hope that maybe another season, another season of getting reps. Again, he's not young for a prospect; he's over twenty three now. Um, but as this game went on, I think you saw obviously that that yeah, I mean, he's he's got some some comfort, and he knows how to play, right? I mean, again, the the, the defensive stuff is is probably the thing that will limit ultimately how much he can ever play and, and, you know, probably prevents him from ever being like a top eight rotation guy anywhere. But, um, but there's definitely something there and I'm, you know, hopefully he has a, a good Vegas and then, you know, hopefully he gets a chance um, to at least show what he can do, continue to show what he can do with the herd. And then if needed, you know, hopefully he has a better year with the bucks, but certainly has, you know, a good base of, of skills that we saw last year. Well, I mentioned Vin Baker was uh, the coach today, which I thought was pretty fun to see. Uh, but if you're interested uh, in the Coach of the Year odds for the 2022-23 season, uh, then jump on betonline.net, our uh, sponsors here of the podcast. Who do you think is the favorite to win Coach of the Year next year, Frank, if, if I had to throw that at you? Coach of the Year. Um, Ime Yudoka? Yeah, that's that's good. That's a good guess by you. Uh, Jason Kidd, second favorite. Taylor Jenkins, another old friend, is up there. Monty Williams. 
Where's Mike Budenholzer? 22 to 1, if you think he can win it again. He's already got it twice, doesn't he? So three-time winner? Is yeah. there, I don't think there's been too many three-time winners of the... Uh... I mean, what would the Bucks have to do to for Bud to win Coach of the Year? They'd have to just go for 70 wins, which we know they're 80, not going to do, right? 80 and 2? <laughs> hey, I'll tell you what. Is Will, Hardy, is Will Hardy on the list? Uh, he certainly rookie, is. Rookie coach who uh, has that, that Boston slash Spurs... DNA. Yeah, Will Will Hardy thirty five to one. Uh, what about defensive player of the year? Now this is some serious value. If you want to get on Giannis, uh, twelve to one. He, he's the one, two, three, four, five, six, seventh favorite to win the award. That is uh, that is quite incredible. And I, I don't even see Drew Holiday on here either. So just a bit of disrespect from our friends he's, at Bet. I mean, Go Gobert is even though he's won it up three times already. I feel like Gobert going to Minnesota. Like if Minnesota is like a top mm. five defense. There's going to be all sort of narrative around like, look at it, you know, like, oh my God, he's turned around this terrible defense, made a team with Carl Towns be able to defend. I feel like that that could certainly swing his way. Like Draymond, the way Draymond looked in the playoffs, I was kind of like, mm, I don't know, Draymond's really yeah. going to win another DPOI. Um, who, who else is on those bridges? Uh, uh, Bob Marcus Williams. Smart, nobody, nobody should like, Marcus Smart's no. disqualified from ever being defensive player of the year again. It's like, okay. Yeah, he's not to wide. So you- you, you get better odds, better value for Giannis than you can Marcus Smart, which doesn't make a lot of sense to me there. Uh, sixth, sixth man of the year, Tyler Hero is the what favorite. Jordan here? Poole. I don't know. Jordan Poole is up there. Uh, Kevin Love, 14 to 1. Bobby Portis, 18 to 1, if you're interested in a little bit of Bobby Portis uh, action right there. Or if you want some extreme value, uh, 50 to 1, Patty Mills. So anyway... <laughs> Uh, you can find all the other stuff that you need to find at Bet Online. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action at Bet Online, where the game starts. Well, we've got an old fashioned back end of the roster point guard battle on our hands, uh, Frank, between Luca Vildoza and Lindell Wigginton. And uh, I, you know, both these guys had their moments. Phil Dozer had a showtime stretch during the third quarter. He actually only picked up two assists for this game, but he had a series of really lovely passes. We know that he they is... were both great assists. They were both like needle threading type assists. Oh, so, no, yeah, he, he is. He is fun to watch. There's no doubt about that. Uh, but Wigginson, as I mentioned earlier, he, when he came into the game, he actually did look like a guy that, okay, this guy is, is a, a high quality summer league player. He was running the offense. He was knocking down the threes. He had 17 points. Overall, and I joked about it, but the Bucks did release the official statement that they'd signed Lindell Wigginton literally at halftime of this game. So I'm not sure whether the first half was just a tipping point for Horse there, and he <laughs> he sent the text through from courtside. He was in the building, uh, but you know, it, just based on where we are, roster construction wise, roster configuration wise, I know we've discussed some stuff. To if, you know, something happens with George Hill, is there a room for another sort of you know vet if you want to call these two guys vet backup point guard? Uh, but there they really is probably only room for one of them. Uh, if if someone was going to take a Russell spot yeah, at all, yeah. at all. Yeah, exactly yeah. right. So, yeah, I mean, I, it was interesting. So I was, and man, uh, you know, sometimes I have these moments, perhaps like this. No, I enjoy, I obviously love podcasting, <laughs> but there are moments where I go down the rabbit hole of Bucks fandom and I'm doing something like reading an article that I, use the translate function in my web browser to read about Luca Vildoza's agent explaining why he was released and blah, blah, blah. And I kind of think like, what am I, what am I 
doing with my life, Kane? Is this is this healthy? Um, but I, 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 bottom line, good news, uh, Bucks fans. I went through that so I can deliver some weird and super random roster and roster news. So his agent claimed that you know basically, and this a version of this kind of was was circulating on Twitter, I think as well. But basically, there was a line was like, well, bad news is you're getting waived. Good news is they're going to resign you on Friday. Uh, I don't think that has. I don't think we've seen anything announced about that yet, have we? Mm, I didn't said, think so. No. Yeah, but anyway, so apparently they're going to re-sign him. And in the article, the guy actually explained, the agent explained that it's because the Bucks wanted to sign him to an Exhibit Nine contract, which is basically like a typical summer type contract um, for like camp type guys. And the 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 key feature of these is that basically if a guy gets hurt the team doesn't have to guarantee his contract until he can play again, essentially. And I forget the name of the guy. There was a guy, I think he was on the Clippers a few years ago, who was basically like a camp guy. And they had, for reasons I don't recall, not signed him to an Exhibit 9. And then he got hurt and was out for like a few months or something. And they had to guarantee his contract for that entire time. And it was this big, you know, big issue because they would have just waived him, um, you know, coming out of camp. So, Essentially, it's just a financial, you know, safe safeguard for teams such that, you know, if he, whatever, tears his Achilles or something this week, then the Bucks don't have to guarantee that contract that he signed last year, which, because it was signed during the season, I guess, can't be an Exhibit 9 contract like that, right? Because he signed it towards at the end of the regular season. So long story short, and his agent also made some claims, which again, I'm reading through a translation that... The Bucks, oh, the Bucks want to keep him this season, blah, blah, blah. And I was kind of like, eh, like there's some agent optimism <laughs> sprinkled in here. Uh, because look, it's possible the Bucks carry 15 guys. Right now they have 14 guaranteed contracts that we've heard about, including Surge and blah, 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 you know. Um, but Luca, assuming he gets signed, re-signed, uh, Lindell Wigginton, I would assume the same thing. I, you know, Lindell was was a two-way guy last year. Had some moments, right? Like his athleticism, explosiveness. We saw it again today. Like he he has some game to him. He's been historically, he's never been a really consistent three-point shooter, but definitely has some physical tools and athleticism. He's Canadian. Everybody loves Canadians. Um, so uh so I mean, again, not to belittle or or diminish kind of Lindell Wigginton either, but you know, those are not guys that you signed to guaranteed contracts in July. It seems like both of these assuming Luca also gets signed would be, Hey, we want to have you on the summer league team. We want to have you in camp. Who knows, right? If we make a two for one trade or something like that and somebody, you know, knocks, knocks our socks off, then, Hey, we're open-minded. Right. Uh, you know, think back to Christian Wood, didn't have a contract played on the Bucks summer league team was really impressive. A few years back come gets a camp deal really impresses in camp and they say, damn, we got to, we're going to keep this guy. Right. And obviously took another couple spots where he got his big payday, but you know, that, that happens at times. So, um, so yeah, I think Luca and, and Wigginton, I mean, I was curious, you know, Vildoza obviously has experience playing in Spain. He's Argentinian, but played in Spain. Um, and he's not that small. And I was kind of curious, like, what was he going to look like defensively? Eh, once you say I was not, <laughs> As watching him tonight, I was definitely not saying, thinking like, oh, this guy's going to really hold up against NBA athletes um, defensively. So, uh, you know, 
at least the returns from that game, this game were, were not great. It did hit one three, but you know, it was, I think one out of four, definitely not. Uh, you, you would definitely not have come away from that game. If you didn't know any better thinking that this guy was going to get an NBA contract. So um, we'll see, as you said, had a couple of really nice passes, but you know, he's got great passing instincts. I think he had another like crazy pass um, that I think was, was not converted for, for an mm-hmm. assist. So um, hopefully we'll see some more fun stuff from him just during Vegas. And, you know, we'll see if he, if he's a guy that comes to camp. Great. Uh, but it, it is weird. I had, I had totally missed this, but I knew he was on the Knicks and got hurt uh, in the 2021 season. I did not realize they paid him $3.5 million that year. They gave him a guaranteed contract. Um, and so, you know, like that, that kind of like, I was kind of like, mm, that's interesting. Cause I mean, he's an octagon guy, which is Alex Saratsis, Giannis's agent, like all the same agency. So, you know, there was always this whiff of, okay, this is, you know, agent favors when he got signed at the end of last season, you know, kind of similar to, well, I don't want to compare him to Yorgos Kalitsakis because nobody thought Yorgos was going to get drafted when, until the Bucks did. At, at least Luca has, has gotten an NBA contract before. So there's, you know, some validation there. Um, but I mean, not just an NBA contract, but 3.5 million. And I think you mentioned Hoops Hype had that tweet about, you know, him being the only NBA player who's played in the playoffs, but not a regular season game. They also tweeted that he's the highest paid player to never play in a regular season game because he's now, he only made 43,000, I think with the bucks last year. Cause he got signed on literally like the second to last day, but with got paid 3.5 million to play no games the year before with, uh, with the Knicks. So, um, so yeah, probably just more of a kind of summer curiosity uh, in terms of Luca, but you know, I mean, who knows, right? I mean, the, this is just a chance to kind of see guys play basketball and, Again, if one of those guys really impresses and you know makes you think twice about um, you know potentially either keeping them as a um, a last roster spot, which again, if they if they did keep a fifteenth guy, I mean they could keep him as non guaranteed and then you know waive him a month into the season if they wanted to. You know if the guy gets traded eventually, then it it doesn't count towards the the, the luxury tax at the end of the year. So again, it, I'm not going to say that like it's impossible for the Bucks to carry fifteen guys into the regular season that they would never do it for financial reasons. Um, I think they probably won't, but you never know, right? If somebody really again pops from these non-guarantee guys, maybe, maybe that happens. And, you know, tonight certainly Wigginson was a guy that looked a bit better. And um, I mean, should we talk about, I mean, we're talking about two ways and kind of fringe guys. AJ Green was probably the other guy who, who deserves some mention because uh, Lindell Wigginson and AJ Green turned this game around, didn't they? Well, they certainly did. I was, uh, I was starting to feel a bit miserable, leaning back on the couch. Our friend Dean Maniart was turning off the game, and then in capital letters, I just said, "Turn the game back on," because the Bucks are in front. And uh, he finished four for eight from three in the end. Uh, I think he hit his first four, though. I, I think, I think that's right. And it was part of this massive run that the Bucks went on. It's interesting. He's got the two way. I think any of the research that I've done on him is yes, he can shoot the ball. It's like, can he really do anything else? He had a couple of pretty tough turnovers to, to watch when he had to dribble the ball a little bit oh. under pressure one late in the game in particular. So, you know, no assists, only a couple of rebounds, but he can shoot shoot the ball. As uh, as some people like to say, he can shoot the piss out of the ball, Frank, and he certainly did that, and it was fun to watch. Uh, and he was actually feeling himself. He was pointing to the crowd. He was, uh, you know, a bit of, a bit of summer, league, summer league vibes from uh, AJ Green, which was at least a fun little burst that he had. 
Yeah, I I mean, it's funny. I, I watched some YouTube stuff on him after the signing got announced. Had no idea who he was, right? I mean, yeah, played at Northern Iowa, was a sharpshooter, handled the ball a lot um, in that system, being obviously kind of the best player. And so I, I think I jokingly referred to him as Presbyterian Sam Merrill um, <laughs> for this season. So again, like, is he a guy that is ever going to defend in, in any way close to, you know, being a, an NBA rotation player? Probably not, right? You probably, you know, you either have to be so good as a shooter and probably you need to do other stuff. He's 6'4", so it's not like he's a really big guy. You, you probably need to really be able to handle it too. And I mean, Sam Merrill can shoot the piss out of the ball and can handle it reasonably well too. Uh, but, you know, we really saw when the ball got in his hands and, you know, some of those games where they were resting basically everybody a couple years ago, you know, some against some defenders, like he just had a hard time bringing the ball even up the floor. Right. I mean, it's just the NBA defense can just be challenging. So, um, so yeah, I mean, my thought watching AJ green shoot was his sort of ultimate upside is like a Matt Thomas type career. Hmm. And people may recall Matt Thomas has kind of bounced around probably most most memorably with the Raptors um, has at times gotten some minutes and he's just basically a flat out shooter. And I think he's, he's either Wisconsin native or I forget he went to, I think one of the small schools in Wisconsin, I should probably look this up, but um, should be playing but, for the Warriors then he's got a Warriors future. I know, I know, seriously. <laughs> uh, well, he's not, for, he's, he's, I don't think he's a Milwaukee tied person. So you have to be either, you have to either be from Milwaukee or play to Milwaukee I see. for the Warriors to, uh, to be interested. So, you know, with Looney, pool and now patrick baldwin um don't forget latrell sprewell mm. great former warrior also from was from milwaukee um shout out to spree probably listening to bucks pods locked on bucks from a from a boat drinking a miller light somewhere um <laughs> but uh but yeah so so we'll see i mean um you know, is is uh, AJ Green on on any sort of Bucks contract a year from now? Probably not. Um, but you never know, right? And I, he definitely feels a lot more. We we talked about sort of the dichotomy uh, on draft night of the direction the Bucks have taken. They've they've sort of swung on um, offensive upside types in the second round over the last few years, whether it's Mamu Merrill or Jordan Wara, and obviously none of those guys have been able to defend, you know, at, at close to the level really needed to be, you know, a good NBA player. Um, I'd say AJ Green will pro- pro- probably suffered the same fate. Uh, but I guess philosophically, you know, if you can't find an athletic guy, a Marjan Beauchamp, right. Um, I suppose it's okay to, to go for an AJ Green type. Again, I, I would always probably go for an athletic guy who hasn't figured out how to shoot yet uh, over, you know, a guy like, like AJ Green, right. I mean, we saw, Justin Lewis, one of our guys that, that we thought was interesting pre-draft, um, he ended up getting a two-way with the Bulls. So, um, you know, those guys, you can get those types of guys. Uh, so this one seemed a little bit a little bit weird to me when I heard it, but again, not having seen him play live until um, today, um, it was a pleasant surprise to see him just come out and knock down threes. And um, he will have to continue doing that at a very high clip if he's ever going to see the floor uh, for the Milwaukee Bucks. Yeah, he might hit a lot of threes for the herd this season, which will be fun yeah. for locals down in uh, Oshkosh. Yeah. There, nice. uh, always got fun. Nice, nice mid- throw a little Midwestern guy through uh, down at the herd to uh, sell some tickets. 
All right, let's wrap this up. I got a nightclub to get to. Uh, before we <laughs> before we do, uh, Rajan Tucker was wearing a lot of clothes tonight. I noted that in our DM. I don't know. And first of all, uh, me, I, I have no right. You prefer to... you prefer completely nude Rajon Tucker is what you're getting at, right? <laughs> well, I, it was a look that I haven't seen outside of like you know your local basketball league, like baggy shirt underneath, long socks. But then also long tights under what I would describe as pretty long shorts. So it's just a lot of clothing. It actually just didn't seem that comfortable to me. <laughs> he's but, and he's athletic. You know, he's not he had that like 360. A, I was so upset that he missed that. That layup out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, he's he's athletic. He's you know got a good physical tool yeah. set. So I don't I don't get what you know, if you're like yeah, John Henson and you're trying to hide that you're really skinny, fine, wear the t-shirt, right? Uh, if you're Luca and you're trying to hide some of the chubs, you need to maybe throw on the, you know, a Spanx top or something like that, whatever he's wearing to kind of slim himself down a little bit. Um, I, okay, I guess. But, you know, Ray John Tucker, I mean, Ray John, yeah. you're an athletic guy. You don't need to be hiding yourself under under all those clothes, right? Hopefully there isn't some body image issues for Ray John Tucker out here. Get the guns. But, Show us the guns. Um, but yeah, he's, I, I, uh, you know, what was it three years ago that he was on the Bucks summer league team after mm. he came out of college, the tweets out there, I think I dug it up, uh, when he signed with the Bucks last late last regular season, uh, I referred to him as, as my spirit animal based on his first summer league appearance. Cause he was really kind of getting after it and, you know, plays a ton of aggression. He's athletic. He's, he's pretty fun. And we didn't, we didn't really see a lot of that today. We saw a couple nice passes from him couple kind of flashes on defense uh i think you only hit like one shot like right like a one three and didn't really do a whole lot else but um yeah shout out to ray john you know as as you and justin said the other day it does not look obviously like he's gonna catch on in milwaukee and stick around here but i was happy that he at least had the cup of coffee with the bucks through the playoffs and certainly a guy that you know you could see getting tagged to come in for for camp um you know, I think just in general, you know, guys that kind of are at least young enough that at least there's maybe something there and and they know your system and um, you know what they're going to bring from a kind of a camp body perspective. Um, you know, hopefully he catches on somewhere. If not, you know, maybe he's just a good guy to keep around as uh, as another uh, non-roster guy in the in training camp. No, he's got some awesome highlights. Uh, if you go back through, he's had a few different stops at different places and in the in the G League as well. So. Uh, he's a fun player, uh, and yeah, we'll see. We'll see if he can give us one humongous dunk here in the next few games. Bucks are back at it, seven PM Monday night. Wait a minute, wait a minute. One, one guy we haven't talked about. What, what's, what's going on with with uh, your man Hugo? You only, I, I like at first I was like, wait, did he actually play? He played like seven minutes in the first half, mm. and missed one shot and that was it I, that that I, I figured we'd see a fair bit of him i imagine we will at some point during the vegas experience but i was a little bit underwhelmed that we didn't get to see more of uh, our guy hugo but that's i guess that's kind of the problem with having um you know a couple of guards that that ultimately you know that that were on your roster last year yeah i think even in the seven minutes that he played particularly i think his first stint was about five minutes and i was sort of really keeping an eye on him to see where he was going to get his touches. And it looked like it was like a typical summer league game where it was just possession after possession, where he was just kind of in the corner and didn't really touch the ball. And I was thinking to myself, next time he gets the ball, he's absolutely putting up a shot. And he sort of had that forced dribble drive and just kind of lost the ball 
and then he really didn't didn't get back on the floor at all. So I think, yeah, he's he's a guy that if he's out there, you would want him to be trying to score or, or get in some shots. And uh, that was right. He was right in the in the AJ Green a firestorm from the outside. So there just wasn't a lot of shots out there. For he's Colorado. a plus thirteen in seven minutes. Plus thirteen in That's seven minutes. A plus minus superstar. That's right. That's right. Does all the little things. Does all the little things out there. Well, if they do decide to trade George Hill, maybe they can slot in Hugo for the plus-minus king of the bucks this season. (laughs) Hey, check out the Locked On NBA podcast. Uh, They'll be covering all the other Summer League stuff because there are some guys putting up some pretty big numbers over the last couple of days. I've been trying to have it on in the background and catch a little bit of of it, but the Locked On NBA podcast will have you covered. Uh, Frank, uh, we don't have to do another weekend pod because we've got a few days off before the Bucks play Monday night, which... uh, that seems nice. And and just quickly, when the Bucks play the Celtics in summer league, uh, do you is your desperation for the Bucks to beat the Celtics as high, or you can? I mean, how emotionally invested are you going to be in this game? I would say not not very highly emotionally invested, but uh, okay. I I do hope that Marjan in particular continues to. Look solid, right? Um, yes. You know, I don't, I don't think he's the kind of guy, especially even in his role here, uh, that he's going to, you know, get 15 to 18 shots every game. Um, so hopefully he continues to shoot well, play hard, defend a bit. And, um, you know, it'd be great if he could have a game where he popped a little bit, you know. Let's get one 20-point scoring game, right? That would be nice to get maybe one 20-point scoring game from him uh, during this Vegas tenure. But hopefully... Um, yeah, hopefully we continue to see him play solidly. And, you know, my first summer league came was 2008, Joe Alexander summer league. Yeah. Not the best summer league to go to uh, if you're a, a Bucks fan. So, I, you know, my my hope is always that, especially with a guy who's like a 24th overall pick, just just look pretty good. <laughs> just look pretty good. Right? You remember, remember Dante DiVincenzo with his very uh, shortened summer league stint as a rookie where he, did he make a shot? I can't remember. He was like 0 for 7 or 1 for 8 or something like that in, in really limited minutes. Um, yeah, just let's just let's just avoid that um, because it's, it's just more fun. The rest of the summer is more fun if we can have some optimism about our, our first round pick. Well, it was a solid start for the Bucks, and uh, as always, a solid podcast uh, from Frank and myself, if I uh, am allowed to say that. And this is the only place you come to. It's supposed to be a 30-minute pod, but here we are 46 <laughs> minutes in talking about the Summer League opener. So you can tell... That this is two losers that need to get a life, but we won't get a life, which means that we'll do the same after the game on Monday. So uh, we'll, we'll yeah. wrap it up there. We'll wrap it up yeah. there, Frank and myself. We'll speak to you guys next week. <laughs>